Welcome to Crossroads Cafe. This episode is an interview with Laraji, a multi-instrumentalist who just released an album of piano improvisations entitled Sun Piano. Laraji studied music as a child and after graduating from Howard University in the 1960s, he moved to New York City, immersed himself in Eastern mysticism, and learned how to play the electric zither after discovering it at a pawn shop. He began collaborating with Brian Eno after they met in Washington Square Park, and over the years became a central force in the ambient and new age music scenes. He's known for his immersive cosmic soundscapes, which balance a rich tapestry of instruments and often create transportive healing experiences for the listener. Also a laughter meditation practitioner, his work spans generations, faiths, mediums, galaxies, and dimensions. I'm so excited to introduce Laraji. Sun Piano is uh, is so beautiful, and it really feels like a return to me. I know it's a return to your first instrument, the piano. So I wanted to ask, um, what's your relationship with the piano, and why did you feel called to return to it for this album? Well, the piano is my first major instrument. Well, the instrument I touched first, playing it first in uh, church. Uh, between Sunday school and church services on Sunday morning, there was a whole hour, hour and a half where the church was empty and still and just the piano sitting there in the basement. And I would go down and play it. And my mother saw my interest and decided to invest in a piano and in piano lessons. And this was around the age of uh, 10. And I pursued the piano. My relationship was at one as a kinesthetic uh, percussion instrument, physically interacting with the instrument. And as a percussion instrument, tuned percussion instrument, I would play it rhythmically. And also as a means of improvisation, freeform improvisation, sometimes mimicking rock and roll records of the time or R&B, but most of the time taking it as an instrument of therapy for release, uh, celebration, expression. Uh, eventually became my uh, dominant instrument up to college where I took piano as a major and theory and composition as a minor at Howard University. So this sharpened my classical piano skills to approach piano with a classical sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And uh, releasing records with uh, All Saint Records and Warps for the last five or six years, seven years, uh, the l a series of recordings that involved the use of the name Sun, that I have a spiritual thing going on with the Sun. And about two years ago, Matthew Jones at Warp Records listened to a recording I did with the piano at one of my concerts, and he suggested, uh, I think, in terms of releasing a solo piano album, and I agreed with him. So we set up the date for December 2018, I believe, yeah, 2018, at a church in Brooklyn. On there I was playing a concert grand piano in an empty church. It feels like a full circle, starting out playing piano in an empty church when I was young, and now I'm playing on a grand concert instrument 
to do this recording, Sun Piano. Mm-hmm. So I love the piano. I love interacting with it wherever I go. If there's a piano, I just tend to gravitate toward touching it and expressing through it. I feel the same way about the piano. Um, it was definitely a formative instrument for me. And uh, uh-huh. and I love that you came back to that um, to that space of the empty church where you kind of began. I'd love to hear more about the church you recorded the album in. Well, recording the album in the Presbyterian Church in Brooklyn, I have a soft spot for Brooklyn. It's that I lived in Brooklyn for many years in the 70s where I started my electric zither music um, performance lifestyle. But the church in Brooklyn was empty. It was winter, December, so a couple of times the radiator in the church sanctuary began knocking and uh, the sound some of the sounds showed up on the recordings and we decided to leave them in since it was an improvisational recording capturing music for this first time the recording session was attended by the executive producer Matthew Jones a friend of Clint Newsom who helped to locate the church and uh, also Zig, Jeff Ziegler, who did the audio recording, such a fine job of the audio recording, and setting up microphones in very special places in this empty church to capture a full live sound. Uh, I've been listening to the album a lot on just speakers, and now and then I'll put headphones on, and I'm surprised at how much more information there is to be enjoyed on headphones because the spatial stereo recording of the space is quite exquisite. The recording took place in two days um, of improvisations. The second day, I allowed uh, Matthew Jones to make some suggestions so that I could cover a full range of musical moods. Well, that's, uh, that's beautiful. Then the songs that came out of it are obviously... Uh, really magnificent. Um, how did you feel when you were making the music? Did it feel like a sense of release, or was it cathartic, or kind of um, what was your what was your mood when you were making the songs? Um, like a s- opportunity of um, diving deep into channeling. I felt very united with creation in general when I'm in deep creativity. Being spontaneous is a way of being constantly in the present moment and constantly meeting wonder after wonder because the the music was, all the music, most of the music was never played before. Shenandoah was one track that is a, a theme that I return to often when playing the piano. But the other music's, Playing it was about being in the moment, not knowing where I'm going, feeling, being trusting, a very trusting attitude, and also savoring the rich experience of the uh, grand piano with the top open and actually physically receiving the uh, physical resonances of the, the grand piano string board, which is a therapeutic experience. It's a, 
it's a sound journey. It's a physical journey. It's an emotional journey. It's a, a spiritual uh, opening because here I am giving an op- being given an opportunity to channel music that's going to be shared with uh, the planet. So the sense of responsibility and a joy and being in such a position to have my inner gifts shared this way. I know you've worked a lot with uh, different forms of healing. I know you've done laughter meditation and just a lot of different types of music. Um, what do you feel about sound allows it to connect and heal with people? Uh, what of your work, or how do you feel like your work um, acts as a healing force? Yes, I do believe music and sound, audio, the listening experience has a healing. In other words, it can remind the energy system of its flowing state. I believe that flowing is wholeness. When we are flowing, we feel whole. When we feel congested and stuck, we feel less than whole. And music can represent wholeness. It can present pictures of balance, harmony, uh, equilibrium, of interconnectedness, and that uh, that uh, mu- music is uh, is a meditation, and the meditation is the spirituality of nowness, and so that uh, art or music to me is a ritual also, and that the meditative experience in my case, meditative trance, generates the music through me into the art, the the art experience, so that uh, art and music, or music and spirituality, intersect through the uh, spirituality of spontaneity, of trusting trance, of feeling the, the vaster space through meditation, allows me to bring forth and uh, be a channel for and hold space for uh, a vaster sense of space and time so that the music can feel timeless at times, uh, can feel eternal at times, and the music can suggest a state of wholeness, well-beingness, and fluidity to the listener. Um, One event was my musical performance suggested to a woman's imagination of her being a dancer and she experienced herself dancing in her imagination even though she was wheeled into the concert hall on a wheelchair and I saw her a month or two later and she was up and walking around and introducing me to her dance teacher so so that musical experience um, gave her it excited her inner imagination to to feel and see herself dancing, which then guided her to bringing that image into actuality. That's so powerful, and I definitely have heard similar stories about these miracles performed through music or just through tapping back into some sort of original force um, that's outside us but all around us. Um, I, I don't know, I often feel like there's such a desperate, or people want so much to reconnect with 
that source or that original vibration, um, but it's so easy to get out of step with it, um, and the world doesn't really encourage it. So I was wondering, how do you, how do you keep aligned with sort of those greater vibrations, um, and how do you continually allow yourself to channel them to others? Do you have any practices or suggestions for the rest of us? Well, the 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 rest of us, there is no rest of us. Uh, in my practice, I practice going in knowing the one of us. <laughs> that this oneness current, this, um, what do you call it, space, you can call it the creative intelligence behind the universe. My practice of being still, uh, relaxing the breath, and letting the consciousness shift away from following the thinking mind and being just in a sustained present moment. This allows me to concentrate a sense of eternal nowness, which drives my music and drives, it inspires my uh, lifestyle. I began meditation through the practice of sitting still, learning how to sit still for 21 minutes without fidgeting, and sometimes keeping my focus on a, a point on the wall or find, I didn't work, do so well with candles, but a still point or a mandala to keep my focus on that object for 21 minutes and just observe the body trying to get me to move or distract. When I learned how to sit still for 21 minutes, I noticed that another version of present time universe slips into my awareness. It was like magic, as if there's another version of the universe ready to be observed when I become still enough to see it. And also, I learned that sitting in the easy chair with the relaxed breathing, it would help for me to mentally disentangle myself or to separate myself from all the titles and names and classifications that were ever used for me or were being used to relate to me. Every single title, whether it's attractive, whether it's a dark title, whether it's a gender title or ethnic title or career title, to strip away every title, I call it undoing the ribbons, and then sitting with what's left, which is I am without any titles attached to it. And it is this I am place where I find deep peace, the absence of any need to rush off into any other chore or other time space. When I reach that pure I am place, I just, I am just very, uh, very content to be in a state of stillness. So I would suggest that learning how to detach from the titles is uh, one way, a backdoor way of getting to the peace. Relaxing the breath, finding a breath technique. Mine was inhaling seven counts, holding, then releasing seven counts, seven times seven. And usually after seven rounds of that, my physical body was relaxed enough to settle into deep relaxation. Uh, one way that I know helps more people is doing yoga for an hour and a half, which relaxes the body, the mind, and the emotional body so that 
at the final pose in a la, in a yoga um, class, there's a posture called the corpse pose. You might have heard of it, or shavasana. It's the place where the body is like a corpse, and therefore the mind and the emotions are freed up from the affairs of the body long enough to experience a deep state of stillness, unity with the vastness. It's called natural meditation. So there are my suggestions. Uh, I do use laughter and music to get people into meditative states. Some people would have difficulty getting into laughter on their own. So I do guided laughter workshops to get people into using laughter to enter heavy laughter states. And after a good heavy laughter release, there's a calm that uh, pervades your nervous system and your breath. Mm-hmm. And also the music that I channel and edit into uh, therapeutic listening, ambient listening, peaceful listening experiences. So that I believe I have co-collaborated and have released solo albums that lend themselves to supporting listeners going into relaxed and inner quiet spaces. Well, thank you for um, for sharing all of that and for also the music that you've created that I'm sure has helped many people um, along the path. Um, I wanted to return to the... Um, new album I can just hear so much um, I can hear so much kind of light in the piano and in the way you play it and I know that the sun is very important to you Um, so I wanted to ask what the meaning of the name um, sun piano is and what that what the significance of sun piano is to you the use of references to the sun as I regard the sun as a very divine being that serves not only the planet but several planets in the solar system as a continuously radiating warm giving impersonally selfless giving uh, energy field supporting life forms on the earth providing light warmth and inspiration for when the sun rises is start of a new day of nowness I once had a very deep bonding experience with the sun in the 70s. It was during a four or five day period when I elected to use the time between one apartment rental and the next residential situation to live on the subways in New York and to experience as close as I have ever come to being homeless And it was during that period that one day I just came up and sat in a park in Brooklyn, New York, Grand Army Plaza, and sat on a park bench around noontime in the middle of this experiment with homelessness. And uh, as I was just sitting there, I became aware of the sun overhead just gently smiling down on me, recognizing me, in this rather isolation period of my life, offering me all of its presence, its warmth, and its companionship. And uh, from that moment on, I, I've been 
living inside of a very heightened respect and honoring of the sun, even so much so that I took a name, Laraji, which is built around the sound Ra, an Egyptian name for the sun god, that my life should be as radiant and as giving and as as nourishing as the sun, and that my life should be an extension of the intention of the sun through my music and through my lifestyle. So sun piano is another extension of using the piano and using my gifts to uh, co-create a listening album that should bring light and warmth and uh, nourishment to its listeners. Well, it has done that for me from when I've listened to it. And um, I actually currently live sort of near Grand Army Plaza, so um, I know the park. And I love that image of the sun kind of reaching down to you um, while you were kind of looking at things from the outside. Um, yeah, Brooklyn and New York are such a such powerful places. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what your experience in New York has been like, and how has it how has it changed, or how has it stayed the same? Oh, uh, New York now. Well, going through the uh, um, the spiritual exercise of managing isolation, managing wearing of masks, ma- managing social distancing, physical distancing. Uh, New York of the 70s, there was a very visible, you call it hippie element. I noticed because I would play a lot of my music in the village. So there were uh, lots of street musicians or street artists at the time. Um, NYU, a hustling and bustling uh, university community was part of my lifestyle down there. Um, and the village was pretty um, buoyant and active. Right now, there is a large-scale uh, empty stores in the village, as if the real estate has really turned over quite dramatically and has left the village. Um there isn't that vibrancy in the merchants scene in the village. It's moved somewhere else. Uh, the hippie scene is not so obvious. It's gotten quite, they call it, um, when you make something clean again. Uh, yep, it's been the, the uh, rather, I call it, hippie bohemian element has kind of vanished from that area of New York. At the present time, people are wearing masks and social distancing. I find people are on sometimes quiet. In the evenings, I'm walking around Harlem and there's a large party scene. A lot of the outdoor restaurants have expanded their outdoor capacities and so it's very live with music and dance movement and people enjoying social community and with uh, mindful distancing. Um, New York, on a daily basis here, feels like almost every day is Sunday because there is a noticeable absence of tourism during this period. 
the parks are softer, less crowded, and the vehicle, transportation vehicles, public transportation vehicles are less packed because rush hours are different um, as all the work workforces have not been reunited with their places of work. Uh, the sky is full of sunshine and uh, the cabs are still yellow and the subways are running more efficiently. Um, that uh, they're more lighted and in the 70s I believe we were getting on subways with tokens here we're getting on token getting on subways with cards uh, metro cards mm -hmm. and the buses are more and more hybrids um, fossil fuel is being turned down do you have any favorite places in the city, whether they're there or not there anymore? Central Park is one of my favorite places. Riverside Park is one of my favorite places. Uh, I noticed this recently, walking down Riverside, Hudson, along the Riverside, there are scores and scores of fish that have expired due to the heat situation here. Fish that are usually spawning up up the river have found that the water was containing a dramatic low level of oxygen, not allowing them to breathe. And so the fish, a large number of fish are visibly expired in the Hudson River. Uh, places that have disappeared, that is the first question of mine. Well, what has come up is developed around New York is the ability to walk, I think, really around all of New York following the boardwalk. The boardwalk has been extended around New York, so one can bike, rollerblade, walk around the entire island of New York now by way of footpath. That is new. Uh, the airports are getting renovated. Um, LaGuardia Airport is becoming a high-class airport, although I don't think much flying is going on at the moment. What what has left? Um, one of the favorite scenes, uh, Lenox Lounge, which is a, was a popular jazz spot in New York, and that has been discontinued, and in its place is a Wells Fargo banking office. It seems like a, well, I guess that's New York, um, a good metaphor. New, New York is always new, though, always new. The sub the subway trains are new than 1970s. They look new. The buses look new. The buses have gotten longer and carry more passengers in, in one uh, bus. The buses have been elongated. They're like uh, these piggyback buses. Yeah, New York is a... Uh, a great place, I mean, it's a great place to observe and watch, certainly, um, and I'm sure that you've seen a lot happen over the over the years. Um, I know that you've talked about um, in the 70s how a spiritual awakening or some sort of epiphany um, led you to trade your guitar for an auto harp or realize some kind of 
universal vibration um, and I wanted to ask what led you to make that change musically um, and just generally if there was anything but what was the last part of the question what uh, was my what? Uh, just I wanted to ask if there was anything that led you to make that musical change or to change your life at that moment I was open to new ideas at that time but at the moment I was in the process of pawning a guitar uh, my intention was to leave the shop with a sum of money that I needed. While I was in the shop, though, the clerk offered me a very low figure, like $25, for what I thought was a $175 instrument. And instead of swap, instead of uh, taking the money, I was guided by an internal, intuitive voice, a very distinct voice, that advised me to swap the guitar for the auto harp in the window of that pawn shop there in Queens, New York. And this was a time when I was practicing meditation and also experimenting with something called New Thought Religion. It's a religion based on the observation that if you can change your thinking, you can change your life. And that one should deliberately, on a daily basis... Uh, think a new thought, uh, change patterns. If you're going home from work one day, take a new way home. Or if you're leaving the house, leave by way of a new route. Do things to deliberately change your thought pattern. So in that pawn shop on that day, when I received the inspiration to swap the guitar for the auto harp, this was a radically new thought when I needed money and I've never played the auto harp before. I was curious about it. So I swapped. I went with that inner voice and with my uh, tendency to experiment with new. And I took it home and began tuning my favorite open tune guitar tunings into the auto harp and removed the chord bars eventually, which returned the instrument back to its zither-like nature. And there I had this open-tuned zither that I could hang out with from meditative states, creating this luscious um, meditative soundscape. And that uh, eventually led to my playing on the sidewalks of Brooklyn, New York, when I moved to Brooklyn. And then eventually playing on the sidewalks and the parks and plazas of New York City in the late 70s. And it's amazing how those just small changes or acts of kind of faith can lead in different directions um, and usually the right directions. Yep. I consider my life really to be the road not taken. My life is a road that I would not have taken with my rational thinking mind. It's more the, my life, life is the result of hearing inner guidance and trusting it. Mm -hmm. And uh, where, where do you feel like that inner guidance is coming from? It's coming from my intimate communion with the divine source where I am and that this divine source expresses as whatever I need, uh, information, guidance, opportunities, and that the more intimately I practice communing with this source where I am, uh, 
it's able to move through me and become what I need, become a guiding light, becoming a guidance to health, guidance to uh, social life, guidance to uh, financial uh, self-management. So it's coming from the still, quiet place within me that I get to through meditative practice. In that stillness, I'm able to hear a continual stream of guidance and inspiration. And even that place, I believe, uh, provides the musical inspiration that comes through. When I'm in that place, uh, it's the same source that the music comes from and the guidance comes from and the, the courage and the inspiration to rest, be restful and to be trusting in this time, to be fearless in this time. Yeah, I definitely believe that the source of um, the source of our kind of inner intuition also, I feel like, is responsible for creating um, and sort of writes the best music. Beautiful. Um, but then it can feel it can feel difficult to mix that kind of knowledge with uh, sort of like the everyday of reality, and I guess that's kind of the work. Um, yes, um, the difficulty can be minimized by a deliberate, committed, dedicated practice. Whether you do it on the morning on, upon waking up, whether you do some laughter work or you just do some deep breathing and then sit silently and let the inner stillness register itself so that you can move through the day with an enlightened and an expanded sense of spirit's presence working through me. Yes, so the practice can make it less difficult. Uh, practice means allowing the time, whether it's 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the middle of the day, 15 minutes in the evening, or a half an hour all in one clump. But to make it a deliberate practice, find, find the time and find the place to do it. That would be the hardest part of the work. Once you find a comfortable place and a, a ritual, that means a way of doing it on a periodic basis, then one should find themselves opening opening to deeper and sweeter communion with the Spirit. And then it sort of seems to me like that's also necessary on kind of a much larger scale too. Um, like there's just, it's such a strange time it feels to me almost like the world is shifting keys or something like that. I don't know if you're feeling that, but uh, I wanted to ask, yeah, like, how, what are you feeling about this current moment? Um, and what kind of healing, or where do you feel like there's the most need or potential for healing and change right now? Mm, I believe Every individual who's capable of contacting inner peace and tranquility should do so more deliberately so that they can be a demonstration of peace and tranquility in these times. So first, work on yourself and you bringing yourself as a peaceful being into the mix is a big contribution. I, as an artist, feel responsible for allowing my position as a recording artist to have 
what I do serve the society, serve the people in that way. As an artist, I arise to that, whether it's doing music for fundraisers or uh, allowing my music to be used more openly in uh, on the mass media in order that more people can have access to it in these times. I do believe the source is a perfect creator and that there there are no accidents and this is not a mistake and that uh, we're on our way to leaving one realm or one dimension of understanding into a new, a new way of understanding. Um, that we're letting go of something. I might say we might be moving through a cocoon and ready to emerge from a cocoon or that we have been given a three and four month period for people to experience being alone by themselves with an opportunity to go into introspection, to question their values, to ask questions, who am I? So I think we've been given a very strong opportunity of resetting our consciousness, of re rethinking our priorities so that we should emerge from this period not into a new normal, but into a new flowingness, a new sense of freedom of the spirit. Technologies will have changed to support us that I feel we're moving toward uh, an expanded sense of appreciation for social connection and that uh, we are learn that those who have survived and thrived have an expanded sense of their own individual uh, identity, the being alone with the self and learning how to be with the self, cook for the self and breathe with the self and entertain the self during isolation. So a heightened sense of appreciation for the self, for those who have made it through. Um, I believe also that there is an opening toward alternative spirituality. This period may have shown too many people that the trust they've had in either governments or spiritual communities have been tested and individuals are coming forward with a new sense of trust or distrust with uh, agencies that we've uh, traditionally trusted Mm -hmm. to see that uh, they may have been powerless in the times like this will have driven us to look for new platforms uh, to trust. And they may be new spiritualities, new levels of spirituality, or deeper levels of old spirituality that are ready to blossom into uh, a deeper sense of service. And when I say that, is Mm -hmm. that religions that have usually held a strong mystical side uh, may become more blatantly clear and available to the masses Mm -hmm. that practices in yoga, which have some of them are the demystification of spiritual practices are being made available to the masses that connect with breathing, breathing mindfully, of using the mind to focus mindfully so that one no longer feels burdened with non-essential thinking. 
the technology that are in place to support um, us in on a more vibrant life, um, the the ability to have access to healthier foods, healthier food options, um, super health, um, superhuman health products uh, that are available. Uh, and the speed by which information can be shared on the internet in these days, uh, I think we have been given the opportunity to shift to a new platform of where we put our trust, what we trust in, and that um, the paper tigers, as they said, the authorities that had difficulty delivering to the people in these times will be recalibrated. Re- and um, uh, essence, I think we're open to finding and identifying a new sense of sustainable and uh, capable authority. Yeah. And yep. yep, and I'm open to it coming from either extraterrestrial intelligence. Or it can come from a sudden unlocking of deep secrets and mysteries that empower us, whether it be through superfoods or through super uh, breathing techniques or technology aligns itself with meditation and spirituality so that what used to be difficult can be easy, dropping us into theta, beta, alpha states for creativity or for healing. And that the use of tone and color and light, I think, will come to the forefront as authorities in healing and in spiritual uh, inspiration. Using light, color, sound, and tone to break people out of moods of depression and to inspire people to trust in a hidden authority in the universe. And that the use of tone and color to accelerate healing and a removement of people from depression states and from uh, psychological confusion states. I'm since I'm open to this being where we're going on that platform. The use of tone, music, sound, light, and color for healing the psyche. That means bringing the psyche back into balance, bringing the emotional body back into flowing balance bringing the heart and the uh, mind into a place of sense of security and trust. Dear, that's quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with everything, and it's wonderful to hear you putting so many pieces together. Um, Sometimes it does feel like there needs to be an extraterrestrial um, wisdom that descends, but I do think that the pieces seem to be here um, and I love the idea of kind of an interconnected form of, of global healing, which feels like very necessary right now because it does feel like we're going through sort of an interdimensional shift maybe. So we'll just have to see it. We'll have to see what the new dimension looks like. Yes. Uh, we'll have no choice but to see it's coming. It's, it's happening now. And I, I feel we're, there are those who are going through it 
with their own technique and they've got the technology to handle it, knowing how to breathe, how to do their Tai Chi or do their energy centering, balancing exercises on a daily basis so that they don't get bent out of shape by the information flowing in from the world. And those who have learned how to entertain themselves, amuse themselves when they don't have access to a strong social platform at the moment due to social distancing. That those who have practiced trusting the self and learning the power of their individuality, that we are individualizations of an eternal universal presence, to get in touch with that is a way of dissolving any sense of being alone or being uh, away from a capable healing uh, force. The, the, the force is right where we are. Thank you so much for for offering all of that um, and for taking all this time. Um, I wanted to ask if there was anything else that you wanted to talk about or mention. Yes, uh, I do, let's say that I'm suspecting intuitively that we're moving toward a culture of expanded leisure and recreation, expanded leisure and recreation, which may come in the form of more isolated pods and rather than traveling on airplanes to distant remote resort areas, that uh, leisure and recreation the technology is coming up fast to support people going to exotic places by way of these virtual goggles and through a special binaural hearing headphones. Also, the, uh, the opening of the envelope on the people using medical cannabis, I think, is setting a stage for an expanded... Um, innovative leisure and recreational culture. And I'd like to think that that's where we're going, that we're not just going to survive this period, uh, but we're going toward uh, a very big positivity. Positivity is expanded leisure and expanded recreation. I love that idea, yeah, with a little... Um a little wealth redistribution, <laughs> then hopefully we'll see that happen. Well, thank you for your lovely questions and your peaceful presence. Thank you for that. I, I really, really appreciate um, everything you've shared, and, and thank you for the music. I, um, I'm so glad that you've been sharing it and continue to share it. It's very much needed.